Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. Saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code RTFP. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. 18 plus 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligible restrictions apply. Voidware prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Tuned in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, guiding your gridiron journey, none other than your host, former NFL lineman Ross Tucker. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Wisdom Wednesday presented, of course, as always. By DraftKings, you know me, Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, didn't turn my phone off, now it's on silent. Uh, I like changing up every once in a while, right? Like, you know, you're used to it being on silent, why not have my phone have a notification seven seconds into the show? At least you guys know we're not like going back and editing this and we're keeping it real for you. Really excited to have Ben Fox on the show in a little bit. You can check him out on social media at bfox22. Guy, I've been following for a long time in terms of the information that he has, in particular in sports betting, but I'm really fascinated by what it means for the industry as a whole, whether it's NFL or college football or whatever. He's been with ESPN. He's been with VEASAN. He's been with DraftKings. I didn't even realize he's a fan of all teams Minnesota. We will get into that momentarily. We're only two days away from having a new Spread the Word winner via social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. Please just engage whatever platform you're on, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, engage some way, somehow, with at Ross Tucker NFL or at Ross Tucker Pod. Love those of you that take advantage of the sponsors that you hear on the show or the sponsor tab over at RossTucker.com. And, of course, the YouTube comments. Pretty cool to be able to get a Cameo-style shout-out for free. Speaking of shout-outs, we continue to rack up the patrons that want to see the Even Money Bets spreadsheet in black and white on our private Slack channel, including John Earls, patreon.com, slash RT Media. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, as promised, we got my guy Ben Fox. Check him out on social media on Twitter at bfox22. I don't know which other ones you're on, Ben, or what other what your other handles are, but I'll let you I'll let you preach to the people. So thanks for having me. They're all bfox22. I figured that'd be easier. So I, I joined Threads. I recently joined Instagram only to get on Threads. Not a big Instagram guy, but I've started posting there. 
as well. And, you know, think I should probably get on that platform. Haven't made it to TikTok yet. That'll be the next frontier at some point, uh, but haven't quite migrated there yet. I, I let my wife, you know, go on the social media platforms. Let me know if I'm missing anything there. And TikTok is a bridge too far right now. <laughs> Dude, you should get on TikTok, by the way. I don't know if they have a, a, a guy with betting information as good as yours. Now, listen, most of you guys know I have a betting podcast. It's called the Even Money Podcast. It's very popular. We go over how we did the week before. We make our picks for the upcoming week. This is different, though. You know, this is more the impact that betting is having on our country, the impact that betting is having on the NFL. This is more like an information session that I think whether you guys are into betting or not, whether you listen or watch the Even Money podcast or not, I just thought it'd be interesting. Now, I mean, what are we a couple years into this now, Ben? I, I can't. I, I almost don't even remember when it went legalized in New Jersey, and you know, betting became more normalized. Well, I think with COVID, uh, time has slowed down entirely over the last couple of years, anyway. But 2018, uh, May of 2018, is when the Supreme Court ruled on PASPA. And officially gave each state the opportunity to offer legalized sports betting. So that's been kind of the start of it. Before that, it was just Nevada. And now we're up to 34 states. Uh, and Kentucky actually later this week going live with mobile as well. So we'll have a bunch of states, 24 states with mobile betting. And it just kind of continues to grow uh, larger and larger in the U.S. I think it's always been there, as we can certainly discuss it's just interesting now to have all the actual states with actual data against it to kind of see what those handle numbers or the total amount wager it looks like in all those states. Okay, so I want to take a step back. So 34, it's, it's legal, and then there's 24 that have mobile betting. So I guess my question is, why would you have it be legal but not have the mobile betting if you're a state? A great question. Uh, I think for one answer is politics in general. And then I think the second is just as we started in, in 2018, not a lot of people know, for example, the second state after Nevada to legalize sports betting was Delaware, right? Obviously a very small state. They did not legalize online. They just had retail. And I think people underestimated the people being the state legislatures the amount of tax revenue that they could get from just having, they thought, hey, we'll legalize sports betting. Everyone will go bet at our casinos. They'll maybe bet on some table games too. This will be great. And in reality, the key is the mobile sports betting, right? Because everyone wants to bet from where they are, on their couch, at the game, at their son or daughter's uh, <laughs> event, <laughs> recital, uh, soccer games, anything else. But the point is you can do it at your own convenience. And so we really have only seen those states with mobile betting really pick up and kind of have those, the handle numbers and the tax revenue numbers. But it kind of took a bunch of states first legalizing just the brick and mortar books without m mobile to see the states afterwards now really trying when they're legalizing sports betting to have both the mobile and the retail at the same time. So I want to make sure I understand kind of what the, the pros and cons are here, right? So the pros are a lot of people are already betting and they just were betting with offshore accounts. So rather than having that money go elsewhere, the states are able to generate a significant amount 
of revenue for something that was already occurring. I will say it definitely feels like more people bet now that it's legal. You know, there were people that weren't betting when it was just the offshore stuff. And refresh my memory, Ben, like the offshore stuff was legal? Like what, or it was illegal? Like what, 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 when people were betting offshore, what's the legalities there? So to, uh, I guess to keep it brief, basically, in short, it is not legal. There's a bunch of technicalities about kind of why it isn't, and it's a payment processor, and there's a bunch of things you can get into. But in essence, you would you would get in trouble, or the sports books, sorry, would get in trouble if they were offering that. So that's why they're called offshore or gray market kind of sports books. The big, I think, advantage as well, uh, especially for legalization, is with problem gambling, and that's the big thing: is when people get into trouble. And with local bookies or other places, they're betting on credit, right? Meaning money you don't actually have. With any legal sports book, you have to put down the actual money. I want to bet $100 on the Patriots. I need $100 to actually, whether that's online, whether that's at a sports book, I have to put that down. With a local bookie or somewhere else, I can bet $100. I lose that. They say, hey, do you want $200? I say, cool, sounds good. Now, all of a sudden, I lose that. I'm down $300. Now, I double down. Now, I'm down $600 all of a sudden with money I don't have. And so, there's also the problem gambling aspect that legalization helps. There's a lot more self-exclusion lists. That's a big reason as well that it helps all of these states. And legalization has one of the benefits over the offshore books. The offshore books have some other benefits, like they can offer certain markets that the legal sports books can't potentially better odds, obviously don't have kind of the same corporate bosses as well. So it's it's an interesting mix, certainly, that we've seen. And it hasn't been, in by no means has there been 100% or even close to it conversion in terms of people going from offshore to legal books. There's still obviously a mix. And I think like just about anything, there always will be. Um, speaking of what is self-exclusion, this is actually a big reason why I wanted to have you on. Because I kind of wanted to discuss sort of the pros and cons of it and the impact it has on our on our you know on the United States and different states. What is self exclusion? So self exclusion is essentially if I am a problem gambler and I am unable to stop, I can physically put myself on a list, basically with with a sports book or many sports books that just says essentially don't let me bet. I'm not allowed to log into the app. I'm not allowed to go to the casino and, and place money. It's just a, essentially kind of a do not bet list for a person that they individually put themselves on. And then there's also different, you know, different requirements that people look at where depending on, you know, how much money you're wagering and your win loss, there can be some things where they start to look at it, the sports book side and say, hey, are you sure you're good with this? You know, we've seen in the last three days, you've lost X amount of money, kind of, are, are you sure you're good with this path that you're currently going down? Um, and so it's basically something that people can self-report and do, because sometimes that's really the only way that they're going to stop gambling. Because that's the one thing, so so the pros obviously are uh, one, of the, one of the ones you just referenced, the tax revenue, people were already betting. I do, I do hear from people sometimes via email or social media about sort of the ills of 
of legalized sports betting and the negative impact on society. I guess I'm curious uh, what you feel like those are. Obviously, there are people with that can have a gambling addiction and um, can can lose their way. I, I guess, I don't know, I guess I kind of feel like if it's legalized, at least then there's a better chance that it gets red flagged or someone notices it as opposed to if they're doing it offshore with a bookie, right? Yeah, I mean, I think one microcosm we've seen, right, is I know some will get into kind of NFL players and others and gambling on their own sport, right, and getting caught. That would be much less likely to be identified and captured pre-2018, right, because you can bet with some local bookie or somewhere offshore. It's a lot less likely to be kind of caught Whereas now with U.S. Integrity and these other books, you have to register as a user. They know who you are or an associate. They know where you're placing bets. They know when you're placing bets. And so that's why Calvin Ridley and others were able to be identified kind of because of those legal constraints uh, and within the framework of protecting the integrity of uh, the NFL and other things. It's just a different, you know, a, a different kind of world. I think the way I always have viewed it is sports betting is even legal, you can view it as a vice, right? Like alcohol, marijuana, something else. It's legal, it gets taxed, and there's going to be people who abuse it. And that's just the way that it is. It's kind of the best, you know, you put as many tools in place to help those people as you can. I think one thing I've always tried to do is give out hopefully good and realistic information as well. You know, there's a lot of uh, on gambling Twitter and otherwise, you know, you, you'd think everyone's hitting 70% of their picks. You, you wonder why anyone has a full-time job anymore. Uh, if you just went on gambling Twitter and kind of saw what people are posting as their results or hitting all these giant parlays, you know, sports betting is very difficult. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme, and I think it's something that people should, if, if you want to go down and aspire to be a sports better and a profitable sports better, there's a lot of mistakes that you probably will make early on that a lot of people have. And there's a lot of people out there in the industry trying to do a lot of good and educate as well on kind of how to be a winning sports better, as opposed to just, like I said, with the, the TikTok or something else, just kind of, here's my weekly, you know, five-star lock, uh, come bet, you know, your mortgage on this. And that's, again, I think, as we go further down uh, the path of legalization, I think a lot of people have said, hey, maybe we're in the, you know, first inning of a baseball game. That's probably accurate, right? There's a long way to go in terms of technological advancements and in-play betting and more states and more population and more sports betting markets. But I think there's a whole lot more certainly we can do with education uh, and problem gambling as well because it's not a topic a lot of people like to discuss because it's not, you know, uh, it's not sexy. It's not somebody hitting a 15-team parlay or cashing this giant, you know, amount. But it is really important, and it is something that comes up a lot in sports betting. It's also really important to drink Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and family, and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy it responsibly, however. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You know, um, ten players got suspended this offseason, Ben, for betting, uh, which is crazy to me because they used to have a big sign in the facility and in the stadium locker room like 
betting is illegal. Like I wouldn't even go in like casinos. I don't think like I, I was just scared to death. I don't know why they even let these guys bet on other things to be honest with you, but it makes me wonder. I wonder how many, how many guys ever were betting offshore and just nobody ever knew because there was no way to like track it. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't know where to uh, start with that one. I'm, I'm sure there are people, you know, uh, like anything who's, who skirt the rules I was actually going to ask you about the kind of uh, all the suspensions as well, because to me, from an out, as an outsider, they it certainly seems like there was a lot more this season in terms of the NFLPA and making sure everyone was aware of the sports betting rules and regulations. But I feel like before it was for NFL players, it was probably like you know the iTunes uh, agreement, right? There's a new one. It's 87 pages long. You click I understand and agree. And you move on. Nobody's reading that. And to me, I feel like a lot of these suspensions, I think there's two different levels, right? If you're betting on NFL games, that's different. You deserve to be suspended. You can put whatever punishment out you want. That's a different level. I think some of the other ones we've seen with the six games where it was betting on a different sport, but at a facility or kind of on NFL company time, as they'd say, while on a you know trip or game day, other things, that to me is a little different. And I think we saw a bunch more of those this season, whereas some of the previous ones, like in 2019 with Josh Shaw, uh, the Cardinals defensive back, and then with Calvin Ridley in 2022, those were betting on NFL games while the actual player was on injured reserve, but still betting on NFL games. So to me, those are kind of the two differentiators. I think we certainly, you know, we saw, I think, two, from 2018 to 2022, we saw two total players, Calvin Ridley and Josh Shaw, suspended. And then this year, we had 10. So I think we'll see a cut down on that. But I think a lot of it was probably a misunderstanding of the rules, as opposed to just a ton of guys now are betting on the NFL. And honestly, Ben, I don't think they should be allowed to bet on anything. Because even if you let them bet on other sports, if things start to not go well, let's say they're betting on NBA and college hoops and they they get down by a bunch, that could still lead to potentially bad outcomes in my mind. You know what I mean? Like they could still be trying to figure out how they could possibly make that money back. And then I don't know how they're able to tell when someone does it on somebody else's phone. Like I don't know how they're able to do that, but I feel like those are the type of things that could happen if you let the players bet at all, I wouldn't let players bet at all. I don't know. I mean, I don't think this is something the NFLPA cares that much about that they like fought on. I, I am perplexed by it. The last thing I wanted to ask you about: How about a couple weeks ago when McVay kicked that field goal as time expired, and just your thoughts on that? He said he didn't know anything about it, but obviously, and I forget what he said about why he did it. So I actually got to remember if I saw the clip about why he did it. I, I think people have said because there was, you know, a, a fifth tiebreaker or something in terms of oh, okay. scored and, and that could be the reason. Ultimately, does he probably know what the spread is or someone on the staff? Yes. I, I think that given how prevalent sports betting information is uh, in these days, there's no way that somebody doesn't. I think ultimately, you know, as you would know, you're down two scores. They kind of mismanage the clock. And the only way I think that you're potentially winning is kicking a field goal 
recovering an onside kick and then throwing it in the end zone. You just have to have enough time to do that. And in reality, you're probably not doing all those three things in six seconds or whatever it is anyway. I don't think there's anything nefarious. I think it's a very good example of kind of how prevalent sports betting information is now that everybody knows the spread. Everybody is kind of watching at that end of the game because the game's over. They're down 10 points with under 30 seconds left driving down the field. But everyone knows kind of the situation. Whereas I think back, you know, back when I started 2010, 2011, 2012, people in select groups knew that or select places on Twitter, but it wasn't everywhere. And so omnipresent that all of a sudden, you know, that is kind of everywhere. It's funny enough, happened with the Rams uh, a bunch of years ago with Todd Gurley as well, where he had, he broke away, forget the game, maybe 2018, 2019, um, and was going in for a touchdown and then slid down. And that also affected the total. That also affected the spread. I think Todd Gurley said, like, I don't care about your fantasy teams or Vegas. So the Rams have had a couple things like this over the course of a couple years, uh, which are just, you know, funny in the way that they relate to that. But I don't, I don't make too much of it, certainly. I think, you know, again, the Rams last night on Monday Night Football came back with a backdoor. They got the touchdown this time to have a push. Um, that's just the way teams play. NFL teams, you know, as you know, are going to try and win basically until the end. I'm sure there's some stat padding as well and other things, but I don't think in the same way as college football, perhaps there are coaches wanting to cover the spread for boosters and other things. I don't think that's really the case in the NFL. Check him out on social media. Ben, I, I had a bunch of more things we could get to sometime. You might have to come on again at some point. Great information. Check him out on social at BFawks, F-A-W-K-E-S 22. Thanks, Ben. Anytime, man. Just like the clock will stop on this podcast in a few minutes, whenever the game clock stops, that's time to order in with DoorDash. Pizza cravings at halftime? Ordering time? Dreaming about tacos during a timeout? Boom, they're on your doorstep. Wait, you want burgers, chips, dips, drinks, and wings instead? Even better. Order on DoorDash and get everything you want delivered without missing a minute of the game. Ducks takes. All right, Ross, we'll start the Jets. They got some quarterback help. They're bringing in Trevor Simeon. I am going to uh, make this my Labatt take of the week, presented by Labatt Blue Light, the pristine Canadian Pilsner. Enjoy your beers together so you can live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. The Jets are not serious people. I didn't even watch that show. I, I've just seen that on the internet. I don't even know what the name of the show, Succession maybe, but the Jets are not serious. Trevor Simeon? Trevor Simeon? Really? Trevor Simeon got beat out to be the Bengals' backup by Jake Browning. I don't know why the Jets are bringing in Trevor Simeon. He's not a real alternative to Zach Wilson. You know, he probably still is better. That's how bad Zach Wilson's been. But why they're bringing him in over other people, I think they're still concerned about Zach Wilson's psyche. And I think they're still trying to think that Zach can turn this around and get the Jets where they want to go. He, he, he can't. He's not going to. I wish he could. It's highly unlikely. It'd be a great story if he did. 
But for the Jets to sign Simeon when they could have signed Carson Wentz, just doesn't make sense. Look, Carson Wentz is inconsistent. Guess what? Zach Wilson's consistently bad. I'll take inconsistent over consistently bad. At least inconsistent, you're good sometimes. Chiefs, their tight end, Travis Kelsey, his jersey sales went up nearly 400% following an appearance from somebody named Taylor Swift. Who are these people? Who are the people that bought a Kelsey jersey because he was seen with Taylor Swift? It's not like football fans. And not like a football fan is going to be like, oh my gosh, I've always kind of liked Travis Kelsey, but now that he might be dating Taylor Swift or was seen with her, now I'm going to get his jersey? So these are like Taylor Swift fans that because they're together one time are going to buy this guy's jersey? (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to rip Taylor Swift fans because I am a Taylor Swift fan. I just don't get who's buying these jerseys. Don't underestimate the power of Swifties. Michael Jr., I'm sure, can tell you about that one. Kyle Van Noy, linebacker, he signs with the Ravens. Brown signed former Colts running back Deion Jackson. And the Falcons signed off at the tackle Storm Norton off the Saints practice squad. Such a great name, Storm Norton. He had a lot of snaps with the Chargers. Deion Jackson kind of fell out of favor with the Colts. That's interesting to me that the Browns went ahead and signed him. And then Van Noy was just on another show last week. Like, I didn't know if he was done or what, just waiting for the right situation. And evidently for him, this is the right situation. Patriots quarterback Mac Jones won't be suspended, but he might be fined. Wow. I mean, the funny thing is Mac Jones is like, it was nothing intentional. Mac, that wasn't accidental, first of all. Secondly, it's not like, Sauce Gardner made it up. We saw the video. People don't make up after after a game. Yeah, this guy grabbed my you-know-what, or this guy cup-checked me, or whatever it is that you call that these days. They don't make that up. So, I don't know. I, I can't wait to see what the fine amount is, and more importantly, what the NFL says about the fine. What what are they? Unnecessary roughness? Illegal touching? What what is the What is the fine for? Should be, uh, stay tuned for that one. I think we're done here. Thanks for tuning in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also check out Even Money, Fantasy Feast, and College Draft. All on the DraftKings Network on Samsung TV Plus, YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Shout outs. Pizza Boy Brewing, Sport of Culture, HumanHeadNYC.com, SteakhouseSports.com, Go-Bangles.com, BackOfficeSchedule.com. And the best gift you could ever give a loved one for any reason, myfrontpagestory.com.